Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. Your ticket is $26. Your Your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out, and by TickPick, the number one ticket marketplace based in New York City that allows no hidden fees. Get your tickets today. Corner Booth's Jared Klim is back, recently promoted to the head of podcast department at Belly Up Sports. So he's pretty excited about that. Podcast development. My bad, King. My bad. He's the head of podcast development at Belly Up Sports. Big promotion, big money moves. We're here to talk about NFL Week 5, but of course, like we uh, like to start our Corner Booth Osho podcast, collaborations with a uh, with an embarrassing story. So, Jared, what do you got? Hit me. All right. For all those who don't know, uh, all of my Corner Booth listeners know this very well. I am a gym rat. I go six days a week. I enjoy it. It's kind of like therapy for me, no going pain, to the gym, no pumping earbuds in. What'd you say, bud? No pain, no gain. Yeah, t- two hours a day, six days a week. I love it. I enjoy it. I have a ton of friends I've made because of the gym. And like me, there's a lot, you know, like every other single guy who goes to the gym, basically, you know, there's a lot of cute girls there. So I try to, you know, be a nice guy. I try to dress nicer when I'm at the gym. I try to wear, like, nice clothes when I'm working out and stuff. And so 
there the the gym I go to the edge is very it's called the edge it's a Connecticut based company it's basically northeast New Jersey Pennsylvania Connecticut a little bit New York right basically they're very trainer based so if you don't have a trainer you're not treated like a second class citizen there but you're 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 pushed out of the way a lot and you know okay my sorry my cat is just decided to snuggle up my dump my gym bag just now cat Quinn beat it we're doing a podcast. Yeah. I can't, man. It's cracking me up. But um, anyway, so one of the trainers, actually a good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Tom. Great guy. I actually met him two years before he actually started working there. He said to me, hey, man, I'm in finance like you. I'm going to switch over and be a trainer. I'm like, Tom, good for you, man. And this dude was – I loved his – I loved the kid's vibe. He was great. He had a lot of energy. I come back two years later. I, I used to go to a different location. I came back to the one I went to a couple years earlier, and this kid's a trainer there now. And I was hype. I'm like, this kid's a trainer. He's one of the most successful trainers, and he's doing great. So, unfortunately, his style is very like he focuses on his client with his insane amounts of energy. Everything else around him, it doesn't matter. So I'm trying to work out. On the, there's like a couple track lanes. He's taking up all three track lanes. And I'm literally getting frustrated. There's a cute trainer next to me with her client. And I'm talking to my boy, not talking shit, but like getting frustrated, getting pretty pissed. I'm like, yo, this dude's taking my train. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to get home at 730 at night. I got a 20-minute drive home. And all I hear is he turns to me and in the loudest voice possible goes, yo, big dog. I'll be done in five minutes, all right, bro? I was so mortified. I'm sitting there like, uh... I had, like, 15 people looking at me. I'm like, all right, Tom, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Because I'm not one to, like, getting embarrassed. I try to avoid embarrassing situations as possible. And basically, I'm sitting there like, uh, okay. And then after I said, I said, I went up to say, uh, apologize to him. And he, like, blew it off like it was nothing. I'm like, so you being loud as fuck was just to, you know, put me on the spot for being a dick. And, he, and I, I, I didn't say that, but like, I was like, yo, like, this is kind of embarrassing. Like, I feel like a shithead right now. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine, bro. It's fine. It's fine. He's got a very deep voice. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. That was just, I like, just didn't recover for a couple days from that. I'm like, uh. That's a lot of gym rats though, though. Like they try to embarrass you as much as they can. If you, if you give them the opportunity. To, I was just trying to run sprints. I was trying to get, get myself in better shape because. You know, as a lot of people know that who follow pod, I do. Str- I used to be very large, and it's struggling and trying to get to the plateau, the point where I'm actually in shape. I'm at that point where I'm like halfway between a dad bod and in shape. Like my chest, shoulders, and back and legs all realize I'm in shape. My gut hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah, see, that's where we're like at the exact opposite. I'm like in the Bermuda Triangle of sort between being. Um, like a 190 pound like built muscle guy and then on the other aspect of being like a 160 pound just skeleton looking fuck so yeah i'm 230 like pounds right in the middle like if i stop working out for two weeks i'm gonna go back down to being a skeleton but if i start working out for the next month i'll be back up in the 185 190 range if i cut out carbs completely for like a month i'd be down to about 225 and about 10 percent body fat but that's but, nor here or there. 
Yeah, it's it, you know, but like that was I was like so embarrassed. I was like sitting there mortified. I'm like, do I switch gyms right now? Like, I just want to go disappear into a hole right now. See, that's probably the most embarrassing part of that entire story. What you just said right there, just the way you said it. But you want to uh, hear my story? Yeah, mine will be uh, short and sweet because it just happened last night. I went to go see Joker uh, last night. How was it, by the way? Um. Incredible. If you don't want me to spoil it for you, don't check out the next episode of The O Show. Just finished up recording an awesome hour and a half uh, interview with one of our cinema guys over at Believe Podcast Network about the movie, a giant movie review. Phenomenal movie. Every scene, every aspect of it. Joaquin Phoenix. Tell me, tell me off camera because I probably won't see it until it comes on DVD. Right. Just to say, like, Joaquin Phoenix, I, I wouldn't say he was better than Heath Ledger as Joker, but he was pretty damn close. close. He was pretty damn close. Like, Heath Ledger is, like, the epitome of Joker. So, but Joaquin Phoenix played a great job in that movie. Uh, go check out the movie as soon as you can. But I saw it last night alone because nobody else wants to pay the money. I'm in college. Nobody else wants to come with me. So I'm like, all right, I got to do a review on this tomorrow anyway. And I'm going to go see it. Go sit in the back row by the aisle. Nobody can see me. Uh, basically, the entire theater was empty as opposed, as opposed to me and uh, two or three no, not two or three, maybe like four or five other people. But we all sat next to each other, which was strange. Because I'm, at, I'm up in the back corner by myself, and there's four other kids that come up. Ah, these are good seats right here, right next to me. Like There's like 50 seats in the theater, and you decide to sit right next to me. Bold move. I don't respect it. I don't like it. I needed my space. That's why I sat up there. But I respect it. So this one chick is uh, sitting next to me. She's with her boyfriend, who's sitting two aisles down from me. So it's her boyfriend in the third-to-last seat. She's in the second-to-last seat. I'm in the aisle seat. And her and her boyfriend just being giddy the entire time. You know what it's like being with people in a relationship or, like, in a new relationship. They're just, like, bugging the hell out of you because they're always just, like, lovey-dovey all the time, touching each other and whatnot. Dude, I missed half of Black Panther. You don't have to tell me twice. Oh, my God. Another phenomenal movie that we can talk about one day. But uh, that's neither here nor there again. But throughout, I want to say, like, halfway through the movie, she obviously just, like, lost her train of thought and um, started just, uh, (laughs) like, breezing down my leg with her hand. I'm like... She knows her boyfriend's on the other side. So, like, I quickly, right away, was just like, he's over there. Like, he's on that side. She's like, I am so sorry. I'm like, don't worry about it. It probably happens to everyone that you play around with. It's good. That was just my little quick thing. Like, if I let it escalate any further, she probably would have screamed and we would have been kicked out of the theater. No take, huh? I've never had it happen me before. I will say, though, you handled that very smoothly for a guy who's basically having a girl. Was she a very attractive girl, Jack? I don't know. The lights were off. And quite frankly, I was pretty pissed that they all came down to sit next to me, so I didn't really make eye contact with them. I I, I mean, I guess she wasn't hideous, but at the same time, like, if I let that escalate, it would have been bad news for everybody watching the movie because it would have disturbed the entire movie if she was like, ah! You know, I feel like you and your, I feel like you and her man's would have been in like a little uh, kid rock impersonator versus country boy. Oh uh, well, like, like the rest of the guys in that theater were basically just film people who basically were skinnier than I was, so I don't think that would have been an issue, nor would I have wanted it to be an issue. I probably just would have gone down to like the first row, like away from everybody else. But yeah, um, 
FYI for anybody who goes to a movie theater and there's literally 50 seats open, go pick an empty spot to go sit with your girlfriend in case she starts uh, manhandling another guy's junk. So, with that being said, let's talk about NFL Week 5. Week 5 had a lot of great action, a lot of very, very, very frustrating and disappointing and heartbreaking action, I might add as well. Uh, you're clapping. Uh, I, I suppose the Eagles did well. Cowboys did not do very well. Um, we saw we saw Baker Mayfield, which is probably the biggest topic of discussion going into week six, just get maimed on Monday Night Football. Would that be fair to say? Just so bad. That's it? That's all you're saying? That's, and listen, listen, I was going to let you finish. Oh, wait. Okay, so again, I was, uh, I'm was i shocked. I thought you were about to go on for like three minutes about Baker Mayfield, but I guess we'll uh, move on with that. 31-3, uh, to 3, it's not what you want, as uh, I like to phrase. Joe Girardi always says, not what you want. Colin Coward says it on his show all the time. Like, the number one thing I feel like Baker Mayfield's already, like, marketing him himself as, like, marketing his own brand for merchandise and everything. Like, he's not even an established quarterback in the NFL yet. Great player in Oklahoma, right. great sooner, but he has not proven. I mean, he had a great year with the Browns last year. No, like for an organization okay that didn't win a good year for a rookie, but no K okay year if you're going to establish him as a quarterback. Right. And he, you know me, I'm, I'm a film junkie. I watch his throws. The difference in the offense this year is he looks jumpier. Uh, the offense isn't tailored as much to hey, let's protect our five eleven rookie quarterback. And on top of all of that, he's got to force the ball to Odell Beckham every 45 seconds. So it, a rookie quarterback should never get a receiver that established that early. No. It should not at be all. like B, it should be A minor. Like at the top, at the most, you should get an Alshon Jeffrey type, like a, a, like a, like a A1, A2 receiver. Or Deshaun Jackson, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Stephon Diggs, like not a number one guy, but like a number one B kind of guy. I mean, well, we've seen hints at it. Like we've seen little cracks where, like, obviously when they played the Jets, like, holy crap, this is going to be a dynamic duo if they can get on the same page, which they've proven. There's no blocking. To be, yeah, they've proven to just be a little inconsistent, a little sketchy. The O line has not been great for Baker. It's not what he's wanted through the first five weeks. So the Browns. Browns are going to have to go on a little bit of a run here because they have not proven to me that they're going to control this AFC North because the Ravens are going to be right there too. Yeah, basically. And I look at this whole division. First of all, is the worst division in the NFL 100%. by a country mile. You're telling me the 3-2 and two Ravens who got stomped by the Browns are going to win this division. You're telling me the Browns, who just got whopped by the 49ers, whopped by the Titans, who lost to the Bills. I mean, the Bills do have the best defense in football, but it's it's such a bad... And then you have the Bengals, the Steelers, who can't keep a quarterback healthy. And then you have the Bengals, who, Jack, you and me could suit up and get a starting role on that team. No, we couldn't. No, we could not. That is the boldest take you could ever like I know it like belly up sports be bold stand out 
that's the worst take I think we've ever had on either the O Show or the Corner Booth. We are nowhere near any chance to try really, out. You're swinging hard at a joke there, Big Doug. The Cincinnati Bengals are the wor- one of the, are are probably worse than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they're still going to win at least three games this year. They're not. They not win two. Now that John Ross is on IR, that's just another weapon. They have no passing weapons. AJ Green's going to get dealt before the deadline. And then you have Joe. Wait, you're going to sell me on just Joe Mixon? I'm trying to deal him in fantasy so fast make my head spin. That team needs to be nuclear bomb. Zach Taylor needs to start over and erase all of the damage that Marvin Lewis has done to that franchise over the last five years. He should have been fired five years ago. Oh, 100%. I'm shocked that they bring him back every The Bengals right now, when they're like the most boring, they lost to the Cardinals at the gun. Like, look at look at the Jets. Like, Rex Ryan gets axed as soon as they have one or two bad seasons. Last year, they get rid of their, their head coach of three seasons. I'm blanking on his name right now. I shouldn't Todd be. Bowles. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles was axed after three years, and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to transcend the Jets into somewhat contenderability. And he Never gets hire a defensive head coach for a rookie quarterback. Right. So, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Jets aren't getting any good anytime soon. But at least they know what's up. They know when to fire people. The Giants, the same thing. But, like, Ben McAdoo, done after a year after making the postseason in his first year as head coach. Done in a year and a half. And Marvin Lewis, who should have been fired in 2012, is still with the Cincinnati Bengals. He should have been fired once Chad Johnson got, Chad Johnson got traded to the Dolphins. That's a long ass time ago. Like he, oh, yeah. he is well overdue was, for his fire. Listen, they were like they were like barely re- they were like relevant enough to make the first round, but there was a three-year gap between the AJ Green years and the Chargers single years where basically the Bengals were garbage. They were like an eight, eight and eight team every year. Then they sneak into the playoffs with like you know this young team with the beige water pistol and Andy Dalton or the uh, hold on, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, maroon airsoft the Carson Palmer days. Yo, that dude, talk about potential dying to injuries. I mean, that was his prime, you'd say, right? I mean, he had a few good years there with the Cardinals, but... Yeah, that was his, his Cardinal years were impressive. Yeah. So, but we'll get into the Bengals, kind of, for like a brief no, 12 seconds. I, I think it's as much Bengal talk as I want to talk about. Well, we're going to have to recap their game eventually. I mean, it was it was a nail-biter against the Cardinals. I 20 seconds of highlights. There's not much to talk about. A 23-20. 26-23 loss to the Cardinals. So, you know Cardinals what was a heartbreaking loss? Tyler gets his first win, rushes for a touchdown. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that's a big headline, especially here in Phoenix where I'm at. That's huge. But let's talk about the first game of the week, Thursday Night Football. What a cock tease from this, the Los Angeles Rams. Final seconds of the game. I think it was 11 seconds left. Missed uh-huh. the uh, potential game-winning field goal. And perfect range. Would have been a huge oh, yeah. win on the road. Seahawks with a huge win at home, 30-29. to I'll tell you something right now, and this is an overreaction. You got on my case last week about overreactions. The Rams are making the playoffs. Again, telling, it's I, I gave you eight teams above them that would make the playoffs. One of them being your Cowboys. I am more afraid of the Cowboys than I am of the Rams. I don't – again, like we talked about it last week, like you said, no, overreaction no, no. week four. That The Rams bear, have – Bear in mind, weeks. bear in mind, this is just regular season. Yeah. It's the second it turns January, the Cowboys forget that they're a good team. Oh, 100%. It's, 
it's sewn in their uniforms. You can't actually, like, win as a Cowboys player anymore. But the thing is, if I'm going to go down the list of teams I fear more than the L.A. Rams, some of these may surprise you. Philadelphia, Dallas, Seattle, Green Bay, San Francisco, New Orleans. I, I will throw Carolina in there, but Carolina with Kyle Allen is a different team. They actually move the football. Then you, uh, then you, of course, you, you know, you see, I, I mentioned those guys already. And then the North, Detroit's a dangerous team. Detroit is very good. They're not like they're not going to beat you in the playoffs, but I would pick them to make the playoffs over the Rams right now, who basically can't cover the ball over the top and are reliant on a solid running back. And if Gurley can't get, can't like keep it going, and <laughs> you saw what happened, the Seahawks. Who have the youngest defense I've ever seen just outdueled them. Yeah, I mean, again, they, they were don't about scare to squeak me. it out. They, they, were, they were supposed to squeak that one out. That, that's an easy field goal, I feel like, that they should have made that tailed right at the end. So that, that's a huge one for the Seahawks, though. Again, if the Rams, like you mentioned, are, are not the Rams that we expected to see, this division's up for grabs, whether it's the 49ers, the Seahawks, or the Rams. It's not going to be the Cardinals. Who knows, though? It's still early. It's week five. Give me Seattle. They have a better home field advantage. Um, so, next one on the list. Let's hear your rant on this. 31-6. to six, The Eagles trump the Jets. It's not even a real win. It's the New York Jets. It was basically like, if there was ever a deep breath game, like a fix-it game, it's the Jets without Darnold. The Eagles only had three total sacks coming into this game. Jack, they had ten. Hmm. Against the Jets alone. And now they're thinking they're like tied for sixth in the league. Brandon Graham had a hat trick. By the way, NFL, way to be recency biased with your Joey Bosa pick for the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Not only did Brandon Graham have more sacks, he also had more tackles for a loss and more tackles, but Joey Bosa got it because he sacked Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Recency bias is bullshit, NFL. Anyway, <laughs> um, the Eagles needed a win that. Like, they gutted one out against Green Bay. That was a good win. When you look back at, like, if you could power rank a team, like, signature wins, like, if we were doing, like, a college setup, Eagles being the Packers at home, getting the clutch pick at the end, that's a signature win. The Jets was like, all right, we play Minnesota and Dallas next two weeks. We don't get the Sean Jackson back till Dallas. Let's kind of, like, hone it in a little bit. We're going to run the football down the throat. We're going to give our defensive confidence. And your boy, Orlando Skandrick, gets signed, off the, gets signed off the street on Friday, makes probably the best play of the game with a strip sack and 60-yard touchdown return. I loved it. Just a punch Nathan in Garrett the gut. Nathan Gary, the pick yeah. six. Yeah. Derek, I think everyone else, I think everyone on that defensive line had a, a sack. Except for Cox. He had like three tackles for a loss, though. Yeah, but, but it was a confidence booster win. That's all I'm going to say. Wentz played good, didn't throw a pick. Positive yards, only got sacked once. Jordan Howard ran crazy. He's going to get more touches right now because Miles Sanders is struggling on finding the hole. He's dangerous as hell in the pass game, but he just... I think with newer running backs you're seeing in college, with the exception like maybe Saquon, even Alvin Kamara struggled with this in his first year, it's finding the holes in it, like in between the tackles. Because the holes close up faster in the NFL than they do in college. So Sanders is struggling with that. So apparently um, 
Peterson's going to start moving the carries to 60, Howard 40, um, Sanders when it was kind of 50-50, more leaning towards Sanders. But at least for now, this works because Jordan Howard's just been balling out the last three weeks. Yeah. So I'm all for it. Yeah, that was like a uh, Friday walkthrough type win. Like That was basically was, as routine as it gets. It's good. And also, by the way, if Philadelphia punch, be don't be surprised if Philadelphia punches the daylights out of the Vikings. Hmm. Why is that? Because the Vikings do one thing right, Jack, on offense. What is that? They run the ball. What are the Eagles number one in on defense? Defensive line. Run defense. Yeah. What is the one thing her cousin struggles against? Fast corners. Or do Eagles have fast corners? And top five. They have three safeties that would start in any team. Jenkins, Sendejo, and McLeod. All top 15, top 20 safeties. On top of that, they can't pass protect cousins, and the Eagles have a rabid dog pass rush. Oh, and... The Eagles secondary and on the Vikings secondary has always struggled against the Eagles when they have Alshon Jeffrey in the lineup. So I'm going with the Eagles as an early prediction right there. But uh, yeah, the Vikings are going to get punched in the mouth repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is just going to get a giant stick up his ass. But we'll see. I mean, I feel like you would have predicted them to win if they were 0 5 right now. No, they're on five. I'm the first, it, Jack. If you ever, if you go back to the old tapes of back when I was a Southern when the Eagles sucked, I was the first one to jump down their throats about them sucking. But they, I've been very fortunate. They've been good since I've graduated college and I've been working at Belly Up. So, but I'm also the first. I'm. I will always say that with my teams, whether it be Miami, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Arizona Diamondbacks, Pittsburgh Penguins, Miss Timberwolves, whatever. I'm always the first one to jump down the throat when they're being idiots. But this Eagles team is dangerous as all God help. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think the Cowboys' big loss this week against the Packers is uh, proof that this division is going to come down to the nitty-gritty, the wire, the Week 16, Week 17 matchup they play late in the season. It's It's going to be a barn burner for sure. I could give a shit about records until week 14. So that totally does not defend your Rams case for not making the playoffs. No, what defends my Rams case is the fact that they can't stop anybody throwing the ball over the top, which the Seahawks are known for. Their pass rush is non-existent besides Aaron Donnelly. You double-team him or triple-team him, he's out of the game. Unless you have multiple good pass rushers, you can basically negate that entire pass rush and their defense is old they're not fast like that defense that was like great as hell back in 2017 2018 it's not there anymore and mcveigh's offense is so like co is so late to having a pro bowl running back that if Gurley is even at 90 percent speed it slows down i'm more terrified of the 49ers offense I agree with I you still, there. I still want to see them play a legit defense because I think the Browns are kind of like a half dummy defense, but you see what I'm saying. 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo is proving 
to be the quarterback you thought he was going to be when he left Tom Brady's ring, uh, wing. I mean, you saw yeah. that two years ago when he went 4-0 in his first four starts for a team that was 0-12. And now he... No, he went 5-0. 5-0. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 5-0. I'm sorry, big dog. Big dog Jared Clem. He went 5-0. No, my best friend is a Niners fan, so he wouldn't let me hear the end of it in the offseason. So it's going to be interesting, the revamped NFC West between the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Rams. Because they're all going to be in it, possibly. So let's talk about the next... I feel like, we're, I feel like the Rams are going to fall out by week 14. But. All right, we'll see. That That's your that's your closing. That's the uh, that's when everything gets determined by the big dog, week 14. You think the Jaguars are going to be in at week 14? Gardner, Mitchu... Oh, yeah. Uh, Mitchu, oh, yeah. Mitchu Mania kind of... I'm going to tell you something right now. Mitchu Mania will cease to a halt the second false comes back. Well, Mitchu Mania um, kind of took a stumble this week. He played well, but... He, uh, he played great. But here's the, There's three things that Foles does better than Minshew. And unfortunately, this is why the Jaguars will probably replace Minshew with Foles when he comes back after Thanksgiving. Especially if the Jags are in playoff contention. If the Jags are a game and a half, a game out, a game and a half, I'm so used to baseball. If they're a game out of the, of the Texans, because everyone else, that division is garbage, the... Titans may replace Mariota by week seven. Um, the uh, Colts are, even though they won on Sunday night, don't read too much into it. That team's winning eight games max. They just caught Mahomes. They got Mahomes. They knew, figured, they showed everyone how to beat Mahomes. That's basically it. If I am going to sit here and say, listen, here, like the Jaguars are going to be good, but they are going to be better than good with Nick Foles. Because Minshew is a great quarterback. He improvises, he moves well in the pocket, has no fear, plays great. Nick Foles can beat the best teams in the league because he has no fear. You saw you saw that during the Super Bowl. And when he, made, he basically resurrected Philadelphia from being two games under 500 to making the playoffs and then knocking off Chicago, Nick Foles has a far superior arm and Nick Foles has better decision-making. On that Hail Mary throw, the three tries they had at it, I guarantee on the second try, Foles would have had a touchdown. There were three guys open and meant you to screw the cluster. I watched the end of that game live. I was not impressed. I was like, this is awful. This is like watching a college game. And basically, I love Minshew. I'm all for the Minshew mania, but he needs a year to develop. And what better way to develop than behind Nick Foles with Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to that extent, Nick Foles was behind Carson Wentz and then basically swept up the job from underneath them and became the hero in Philadelphia. But logical football fans understand that Nick Foles basically took over with a top five defense, top ten running game, great receiving core, top two tight end, and home field advantage. Yeah. Log- logically. He did a great job, and he outdueled Brady. Actually, technically Brady won if you're going to go by stats, but Philadelphia just let's put it that Peterson out coached Belichick. Yes, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, that and was that was another classic crazy. Patriots defense just lost them that Super Bowl. And Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham won them, got them the chance to win that Super Bowl. So and let's. With the good uh, old Brady strip sack. 
Yeah. We got a big Super Bowl rematch on Thursday night between the Giants and the Patriots. I'm not going to lie to you, Jared. It's going to be ugly. I'm not going to lie to you. I I honestly was starting to believe all the talk on Daniel Jones after those two uh, wins against the Bucks and then the Redskins. Right. I'm like, here we go. The Giants are going to get right back into this mix. They're not going to go three and thirteen like I thought. They're actually going to be somewhat contenders. If anything, third place in the uh, NFC East. Thank God, the poor man's Conan's Kirk Cousin Vikings put an end to all the all that talk because they looked Why awful you, on Sunday. I think you were on the show with me, or I no, you might have been in. Yeah, you were. I think you were in the corner booth with me on Thursday when I basically d- demolished that take. I'm like the brown. The Vikings are gonna crap on the Giants because it's the first legit defense. Like the Giant, the the Vikings are like a top fifteen defense, but the Buccaneers are awful. Everyone's talking about this kid, this new defensive pass rush they have, Shaq something Barrett. I think, like yeah, they play crap teams, but. At the end of the day, like, the Giants just have not played anybody legit. I think that's the problem with the beginning of the season. We have a lot of teams that play these weak schedules, but yet they have to really, like, play a legit team before they can, like, show to a guy like me who's very skeptical, especially on film, that they're legitimately worthy of a top 15 ranking. With the Giants... I'm all for, you know what? I will eat my shorts on Danny, on Danny Dimes if he is the quarterback they said he is. And until he plays a legit defense, and he took a probably top 15 defense of the Vikings and got smacked around a little bit, you tell me. I don't know. For, uh, obviously, Thursday's a test. Patriots, arguably their best defense since like that 04 team, like you mentioned earlier. But this, like, this could be one of those situations where. <laughs> Daniel Jones walks into New England, Foxborough, and then the Giants just have a miraculous victory over the Patriots once again. When was the last time the Patriots beat the Giants? I feel like it was that 07 season when they went 16-0. and That was it. No, I think they beat them in the regular season. No, I remember the Giants played them. 2015? The no, 2015. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, you're right. They won on a field goal late, but it was a very close game. Oh, yeah, extremely close. So we'll take a uh, quick hiatus here. So we will get into our early predictions for week six after a quick word from our handy-dandy sponsor over at TickPick. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets. That that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats, and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com, where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% Guarantee that's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. Your ticket is $26, your your purchase is $26. No joke, the most transparent 
consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Let's go. All right, that was our uh, handy-dandy sponsor over at TickPick. Again, we have an ALCS-NLCS sweepstakes going on. If you uh, DM us on Twitter or Instagram your predictions for either the ALCS or NLCS, you will enter for a chance to win two free tickets to either an NLCS or ALCS matchup. With that Can being I said, a prediction right now? Does it count? <laughs> no, you got to DM us. DM us on Twitter or Instagram, Jared. I'm not taking any live uh, calls here on the podcast. It's Astros versus Cardinals. That's a World oh. Series matchup. This I, is I, I, you didn't I'm even listen. You didn't even listen to the sponsor. I know. It's um, Astros defeat the Yankees in seven, and the Cardinals defeat the Dodgers in five. All right. Well, we'll find out tomorrow if the Rays can pull it off. They're not going to. I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna write that quote right down right now. After I said Rays Astros, you're like Rays aren't gonna do it. I just shot my World Series. I just shot my pick in the foot. Dear Tampa Bay Rays, be like the rest of Tampa Bay and, and, and like disintegrate into oblivion of nothing. Ooh. Mean. It's the least like city besides Tallahassee in Florida. What do you want me to tell you? Okay. Well, with that being said, let's let's talk about another team that could disintegrate into the ground if they don't get their shit together, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. They start the season 3-0. Everybody's like, 3-0, we're going to be the NFC's champs. No problem. It's going to be a cakewalk this year. Little do all the real Cowboys fans know that we played the Redskins, Giants, and Dolphins to kick off our season. And then we, Best opening schedule ever. And then we go to New Orleans where we had a real chance to win. And our defense hey. kept us in because Teddy Bridgewater really could not get anything going offensively. They won by feet. By kicking four field goals, we lose that twelve to ten, and then it was all, it became apparent this week that uh, we can't really contend with great teams. I mean, we were close by the end, but we were out of that from the get go against. That Aaron one Rogers. missed field goal. On what? How you pronounce his name? Mayhar, M- Mauher, Muher, whatever his, your kicker's I don't know. He name. Sucks. All right. I miss Dan <laughs> Bailey. Where's Dan? I would give the world for Where's Dan Bailey. Good old Dan. Ba- Dan Cannon like Bailey. Whatever happened to Dan Bailey? Seriously, I think she'd reach out to him on Twitter for an interview. All right, I'll, I'll write that one down too. I want to talk. I want to know why he left. Why did you retire from NFL? We need. Oh, it's you. Brett Maher, I think is his name, or something like that. Mayor. Mayor Maher, something like that. Whatever. Joe Buck was pronounced it like crap. What do you want me to tell you? That's that's a that's a distinct disgrace of Joe Buck, the guy who calls all the big sports matchups. Can't pronounce your name. Especially when you miss can three I, field goals. Can I say something, though, about announcers quick? I mean, like, I get why people hate on Joe Buck because he can sound a little bit annoying, but there are some calls he makes like this. Stephon Diggs call during the Miracle of Minnesota. That was incredible. But, like, I can get why people hate on Collinsworth because he sounds like a tool, but the dude's the smartest guy in the booth besides maybe Tony Romo. Like, if you actually you look past – Collins, how Collins' tone is. You actually listen to him. It was like he was in the herd about like a month ago. 
I was listening to him talk about quarterbacks and like strategy and like X and O's. Like, oh my god, he's like smoking everything I thought about. No, I don't think anybody like, denies that Chris Collinsworth is a genius. Like you talk about film yeah. guys, he's the ultimate film guy. It's just like his demeanor during the broadcast. People just make fun of him. And Joe Buck for years. Now Joe here's Buck, the guy. Joe, yeah, that's like how he opens it. Oh, you gotta love Rob Gronkowski here. Look over the middle of the middle of the screen. Listen, here when you hit to sixty-five years old and you take a bunch of hits as a wide receiver, your brain can kind of repeat itself too. So, but Joe Buck, like you mentioned, he. I thought he was bad for years. It wasn't until about five or six years ago where he actually started showing a lot of emotion towards his calls. He was so, yeah. so monotone every I year. I cannot stand Troy Aikman. I love his style as a player, even when he played for the opposing team. But basically, like, Troy Aikman has turned into what Phil Simms used to be. As in, he has to, he can't, he can't hide his bias towards the team he played for. So if you ever watch a team, you ever watch an NFC East team play and they're not playing the Cowboys on national, or even if they're playing the Cowboys and it's America's game of the week, just listen to how Troy Aikman talks. I saw it last year when Philly played Dallas, and Troy Aikman's wording was so Cowboys leaning to the point where I was like, dude, just put on your hat already, bro. Come on, we know who you're pulling for here. He always and seems it, a little high I, on the I'm broadcast, too. too. Because when I used to call Southern games, I used to have to try to hide that because I my own college. Yeah. But it kind of sounded that same kind of tone. And that's the only thing I get annoyed with. I love Kevin Harlan, though. Kevin Harlan calling football games is amazing. That's he was calling the Eagles. I was, he was so hyped when I was, he was calling the Eagles-Jets game. I was getting lit. I'm sitting there, like, extremely hungover from a block party at my at, with a bunch of friends and family. And I'm sitting there eating a bunch of junk food from the bar my sister used to work at. And I'm just sitting there watching the game, sober, like, enjoying, trying to get myself good for work the next day, enjoying the fact I had a great night the night before, watching my Eagles smack the daylights out of the Jets. And I hear Kevin Harlan just breaking down, like, Gary up the sideline, touchdown. I'm like, oh my god, it's so hype. It's like I'm back in NBA finals, like the NBA playoffs yeah. level. And I love Kevin Harlan. I think he's been my favorite announcer of all time. I can't get over it. So so like I, I am just like he's my favorite. So like every time I see he's on the call for Philadelphia, I'm like, I have to watch this game. Now now because- that's a great example of a guy who's known for calling NBA games making a great transition over to the NFL, especially because you're an Eagles guy. I have one that is not a great example of a guy who's crossed over from other sports to call games. I, I think in his heyday, he was arguably one of the best broadcasters of all time. He's touted like one. But if you heard Bob Costas during game one of the division series between the Yankees and the Twins, it was not a good call. He sucked in game. I think I was watching. What, what, what game was on Friday? Night? Was it it game was, that was game one. It was bad. He missed a lot oh, of I was calls. Game one. I heard that. I was at my I was at my uncle's house in Jersey because I went down to visit to go see my cousin play Pop Warner the next day. Dude, it was bad. I was like, I'd rather listen to Tim McCarver. I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. He just and prolonged baseball, all of his calls. And baseball is the easiest game to call. I called my first broadcasting thing ever. I called basketball live. Basketball may be the second easiest because you can deal with the excitement. 
The hardest to call is football because you have to be – it's very paced. It's very – you have to find a way to balance a story between plays and timeouts. Well, that's like the number one thing in calling baseball. You have to have stories because it could go on all night. Oh, I know. So, like, calling baseball is a cakewalk because, you know, I mean, I can talk for days. But We're doing it right now. We haven't, we haven't been on topic for about 15 minutes. But we're having a great conversation, though. This is a typical Jack and Jared show. It's going to go two hours, and everybody's going to be like, get on with the point. But it's a great it's a great story, though. So I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, I'm to, to hold this up. Certain co- certain commentators don't get the thing they deserve. I think as much as he's, a, he's kind of a tool sometimes, Collinsworth is great. Joe Buck is great. Kevin Harlan is so underrated, it hurts me. And I cannot stand that entire Monday crew except for Tessator. I actually don't mind him. I just hate the rest of that crew. Okay. No, but moving uh, on to Cowboys and Packers. Let, let's quickly recap that and then go into Week Six. So yes, basically, yes. Packers rule. Dak Prescott rules. Everything else, like if it wasn't for Dak Prescott, the Cowboys would have been in that game from the start. The guy literally right. threw us out of contention in the first. 15 minutes. They they drove I, down the field the first three drives, and he threw two picks. I'm trying to, like, listen, like, the first pick, I'll, I'll, that was that was bad luck. I mean, yes, he should have led Cooper. That would have been a touchdown if he led Cooper. Or at least, a, like, a 30-yard gain, because Cooper would at least broken that first tackle, because he's a big, strong receiver. But if we're looking at that first throw, he threw it behind the Jair Alexander pick. He basically threw it behind, like, back shoulder on a what was a what looked like a skinny post and for those who don't know skinny posts basically the receiver gets inside the cornerback runs to about the 15 yard 15 yards in and hooks hard on a post route it's for a quick intermediate gain it's it's a staple of the cowboys offense and Dak prescott just threw on the back shoulder away from where the route was going it tipped off hooper's hands and jair alexander picked it off and the second pick the second pick, I won't get. I'll give Dak Prescott credit. I can't believe I said that. It was so pass interference on Kevin King. It was bad. It, he basically tackled Michael Gallup. I think it was Michael Gallup he tackled or somebody like basically right, it was right, like yeah. like spinning him around. And he turned around, the ball's over his head, Gallup, and uh, Kevin King picked it. But what really lent itself to how the Packers, why the Packers won the game, is the fact that this this supposed unstoppable. Cowboys defense got just demolished by Aaron Jones. Over 120 yards rushing and four TDs, basically is the reason I lost to my family this week to to uh, my co- my little cousin. Thanks Dallas, and basically the, the Cowboys should the Packers showed how to knock off the Cowboys. Yeah, that's basically all it is. There's no if ands or buts about it. It, that's what it comes down to. So I think that, if you want to move on. I think down. the biggest thing that pissed me off in one of those drives, I think it was his third pick, is when there was a pass interference on Green Bay when he threw it in the end zone. It was like right in the red zone. It looked like it was a pick, another promising drive. They were down by two scores. They pick it off. There's a flag on the play. Turns out to be pass interference or holding. Though I think there were two fouls on the Packers. On I think that it was play. De- yeah, it was defensive holding and pass interference, which I've never seen called in the same play before. And I'm just like, thank God, like Dak is ruining this game. Like, just hand it off to Zeke, dump it off, do whatever you got to do. And then a couple plays down the field, all right, they're like within five yards of scoring. Great, pick in the end zone. That's his third pick. I'm like, two picks on this drive. 
You have two picks on the drive. Only one counts, but, but you have two picks on this drive. Two terrible passes. The first pass to Randall Cobb, it was like three-on-one coverage. He, Like you just mentioned, it was like over his head, backwards, diagonal. Like There was no way he was going to make that play. But yeah, it was the Cobb pick with Kevin King. It where like he got himself turned around right. and it was just like there was no throw there. First of all, Dak, if you saw how much contact was there, if he's a smart quarterback, shouldn't have thrown that ball. Oh yeah. Remember the O Show is uh, brought to you by Belly Up Sports, where uh, Jared Klim is now the podcast development head. I got that right this time. We're also presented by TickPick, number one New York marketplace based in New York City. Remember to enter the sweepstake giveaway for ALCS and NLC matchups. Get those predictions in. Sign us off, Jared. Uh, hit it, Hootie. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube